I've noticed that uh, as I get older, I tend to forget things. It happens. Reminds me of this, uh, this uh, older married couple that uh, they were just noticing they were forgetting things more and more often. So they came up with a plan with one another and they said, so that we don't neglect one another, let's make sure we write things down. They went to the store and they bought little notepads and, uh, and they, they had their plan in effect. And that evening... They were sitting in the living room watching TV, and she got up, and she says, I'm going to the kitchen. Do you want anything? And he says, you know what I'd really like is some ice cream, maybe some chocolate chips. And we got any of that whipped cream, and, and if there's any of those cherries left, one on the top. And she says, okay, I'll be right back. And he says, whoa, aren't you going to write that down? And she looked at him and said, how in the world could I forget that? And lo and behold, uh, 25 minutes later, she came out with a tray of eggs and hash browns and bacon. And he says, honey, I told you, you should have wrote that down. <laughs> you forgot the toast. <laughs> we tend to forget. And so it's good to be reminded every now and again, isn't it? Today we're going to look at a passage that uh, as of yesterday morning, I wasn't going to preach. <laughs> so we have a special one here today, my friends, something worth changing for. We're going to look at a, a text of, of an enormous transition time for the nation of Israel. 500 years of history from Abraham to this date, and they are about to enter the promised land. Now, I'm not saying this building is the promised land for us, but it's a transition nonetheless. And God had some words for these people as they were about to make this change. So I want to take a look at them with you. So take a look here with me in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1. What we're going to see here is that uh, there's some important things that are laid out that would be good for us to consider as we are about to make this change. The first instruction that Joshua, the Lord through Joshua has, is that they ought to remember what God has done for them. Let us not forget. Some of you have been around here for a while. I think I'm celebrating 13 years at Family Bible Church uh, as of Christmas. Some of you have been here longer. Some of you are a bit newer. But there is a history here. It is important to understand those who have come before us. We indeed stand on their shoulders. I'm thankful for a, a church planting pastor who laid out a great foundation for a church to grow. All the people that have come in, some who have moved away, some who still keep in touch. Gifts that have been exercised and investments that have been made in us. Remember your past. Now Joshua, what he does here in verse 1 is he gathers all of the tribes of Israel to Shechem. 
And he summoned the elders and the heads and the judges and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Now, we should note that Shechem is a very significant place for the nation of Israel. It was really the ideal location for this farewell address by Joshua, this great leader. It was at Shechem that God had promised Abraham that his descendants would inherit this very land. Significant point. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 12, which we often refer to. It is such an important covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Everything that flows through the scripture from Genesis 12 is related to that covenant, including the new covenant. All part of the fulfillment of a promise God made right there in Shechem. Obviously, uh, Jacob had uh, made an altar there, some significant events. And in reviewing the history of Israel, they were reminded of this first and foremost. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other gods. Remember where you came from. There was a day that you just lived for the flesh. Gimme, 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 more, more. My way is the only way. And God stepped in. And the Spirit of God opened your eyes and ears to a gospel perhaps you had heard thousands of times before. God chose you. We just looked at that in Ephesians chapter 1. God chose you if you were a follower of Christ today before the foundation of the world. And God chose this nation. God chose this nation. He said to these people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir and to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Talking about that many offspring. <laughs> Seventy-five people went into Egypt. Two and a half million came out. 430 years in Egypt. And God chose them. They did not choose God. God chose them. And it wasn't because of who they were or what they had done. They had served other gods. And God chose them out. And then God delivered them. In verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. And then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, 
and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a really long time. They were wanderers, moving from one place to the next. But God had chosen them, God had multiplied them, and God had delivered them. When we come to verse 8, we are also reminded that while they lived in the wilderness a long time, God guided them. Verse 8, then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. Boy, you could read that and just just, uh, kind of review that a bit. God led them into this land where there were peoples who would fight against them. Difficulty is oft part of the will of God for the people of God. God has all sorts of plans developed. Punishing the wicked through the righteous is what's going on right here. God had already determined and communicated the sin of the Amorites would one day be judged, and in comes the people of God to do so. Hmm. Difficulty is often a part of God's good plan for you. You just have to trust him. And so here is God guiding them. And look here, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you then... We get to the book of Numbers, and Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, an unfortunate name, no doubt. You may recall that he looked out upon the nation of Israel, and they were vast, and no army seemed to be able to stop them, so he had a plan. I'll have Balaam come and curse them. And so, three times he sent Balaam out, paid him all kinds of money to go curse the people of God. You may recall the account in Numbers 22. And every single time Balaam went out to curse, all that came out was blessing. Blessing is not easy, my friends. Often we confuse these things. Oh, I'm having such a relaxing, stress-free day. What a blessing of God. It could be. could be because you're not in the, in the hunt, my friends. You're not where it is that God would have you to be. You may notice that God didn't offer that kind of blessing to the Apostle Paul very often. <laughs> Mostly what the Apostle Paul got was beatings and stonings and whippings and, and people calling him dreadful names and all sorts of things. Sometimes when you find yourself in the center of God's will... You find a lot of animosity around you. And that is the time where you will see the power of God work through it. Don't run from it, my friends. As we make this transition into this new place, don't run from difficulty. The history of the nation of Israel is filled with it. Some they brought upon themselves. You remember Balak. Three times he says, I have paid you to go curse these people and you have blessed them. He was so angry, he clapped his hands together, which is an interesting image for me. But uh, 
<laughs> but you cannot curse what God has blessed. And God indeed has blessed, favored and enabled his people. Whatever it is we face, my friends, we must not try to face it in our own power, in our own strength and in our own wisdom. God guided them. Verse 10 tells us that the Lord would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. And he went over to the Jordan and came to Jericho. Remember Jericho and the walls? These big impenetrable walls? Yeah. Don't be afraid of walls, my friends. Don't be afraid of obstacles. Whatever it is, my friends, we face, we face it with the wisdom and power of God. God told him, go, attack. March around this city. Yeah, just march around it. Well, what shall we do when we're marching? Shall we carry shovels with us and go after the, just march. Just do what it is that God has called you to do. And the walls came tumbling down. Hmm. My friends, God guided them. God gave them victory. They fought against you, and also the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, Jebusites, and the Mosquitoites, and I gave them into your hand. God gave them. Listen to the history here. God chose them. God delivered them. God guided them. And my friends, God gave them their promised land. This story is not about Israel. It is about God and his faithfulness. Verse 12, notice this. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, this land that God had promised. He gave them victory as long as they didn't get in their own way. He even sent hornets in before them to drive them out. Anyone that's ever been camping, camping knows a little bug will get you moving. And away they went. And I gave you a land on which, notice this please, I gave you a land on which you have not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them, and you eat of the fruit of vineyards and of olive orchards that you did not plant. God had already set the table for them, my friends. God had set the table. So remember what God has done for you. There they are on the edge, about to walk into this promised land. And God reminds them, of his faithfulness. Remember what it is God has done for you. And then secondly, my friends, remember what God demands of you. Moving into this new building ought to be celebrated, but also by keeping in mind that moving into this new building in a new location a new sphere of influence comes with new responsibilities. Ministry is going to change for us. 
God bringing new people in. And new people are always uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes they sit in our seat. I mean, we've been sitting there for 40 years. How dare they? New people can be different kind of people. They're not like us. They're so full of trouble. New responsibilities, my friend. Things to remember before we go in. And I want you to notice verse 14. The first thing that God demands of the nation of Israel and for us as well, my friends, don't miss this. The principle is clear. The first demand is a decision. A decision must be made. Decide this day whom you will serve. Now, I want you to notice that he's not going to ask people to decide whether or not they will serve. The question is, decide this day whom you will serve. Now, therefore... Therefore, that word therefore is an important word. Whenever you see the word therefore, ask this question, what it's there for. It is a transition statement. It says this, in light of everything that I have just told you, this now is what you must do. In light of God's faithfulness in choosing you, delivering you, guiding you, and now providing this new place for you. This is what you must do. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. We could just pause for a moment and talk about those words. Serve. To serve means to look out for the needs of someone else. To look out for the priorities of someone else. What it is that God wants is what we ought to be investing our life in. And make no mistake, my friends, that's going to be a change. We can fiddle around with it a little bit here and a little bit there and a little big break in between. But God is calling us to make a decision Will you serve yourself? Will you serve others? Will you serve God? Sincerity. The word sincerity means what's on the outside is the same thing on the inside. We can talk a good game. We learn it over the years, how to be deceitful toward one another. Oh, hello, it's so good to see you. Is it true? I suppose that it would show up in more than our words if it was. Sincere. Decide whom you will serve. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Faithfulness. Continue on, keep on, keeping on, however you want to say it. It is a consistent life of faithful service to him. And put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Look at here in verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, 
Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whom, whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then, of course, the people answered, well, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, as if that hasn't been the whole mark of their history thus far. Far be it from me that I should turn away from the Lord, huh? Yeah, that we should forsake him. (laughs) For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. And therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. (laughs) Perhaps a bit of a slower response would have been more helpful. To consider what it means, what it will cost you to serve the Lord. It means that now you will march to the beat of a different drummer. It means that now you will move against the wind. The wind is no longer at your back, it is at your face. Can we just pause for a moment and consider this? How different the world that we live in is today than when our parents were children. Did you know that there was a time that the New York Times used to print Sunday sermons? Can you consider for a moment how different that world is? You know, so people could have the opportunity to read what other preachers are reading. Because, you know, we're all interested in that, right? I mean, I'll bet you you just can't wait to get home and find out what someone else was preaching, right? Can't get enough of those sermons. How different the world is that we live. Pastors, imagine a day where pastors were looked up upon. I mean, even you, you know pastors. You're like, yeah, but, you know, the, the, the kids, you know, and then they're, 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 they're the money, and, the, and there's this handful, a bucket full of, of men who have just destroyed the reputation of the church by their lust for more. Send another bucket. Give me another plane. The church doesn't have the reputation that it used to. And that can change. And you know how it changes? I know, you're like, what are they going to (laughs) do? Got some bad news for you. You want to change the reputation of the church? Live differently. Start serving the Lord and not caring what people think about you. And be more concerned about what people think of your God and what your God thinks of you. Popularity ought not to be on the radar, my friends. Faithfulness to him. We live this life walking into the wind, my friends. The wind is not at our back. If we are to be faithful, it will require endurance and sacrifice. Before you say, I will, I'll be faithful to the Lord. Why don't you just pause for a moment and consider what it will cost you.
friends, business opportunities, acceptance by your peers. Again, let's remember the Apostle Paul. And I'm reminded of D.O. Moody. He had a name, a nickname in Chicago. You know what they called him? They called him Crazy Moody. Think about your name. Crazy Bill, Crazy Mary, Crazy this, Crazy that. And why? Well, because I talk to people about Jesus. <laughs> oh, come on. You don't really believe that nonsense, do you? Have you not read the latest science reports? So what will it be, my friends? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Your comfort, acceptance of others, or the Lord. Well, my friends, if you choose him, then you serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. So the first thing that is demanded of us because of what God has done for us is to decide. But the second thing that we find, remembering what God demands of us is first a decision and secondly devotion devotion verse 19 but Joshua said to the people you are not able to serve the Lord well there's a bit of encouragement for you you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God he is a holy God do you want to know how much God hates sin? Look at what he did to his son. Do you want to know how much God hates that sin that you play around with? Contemplate for a moment what hell is. No break time, my friends. Eternal suffering, non-stop. There's no break for coffee. Eternal separation from anything that is good, anything that is kind. There is no compassion. There is no rest. That is how much God hates sin. So when you consider this choice of yours, Consider devotion to God. You are not able to serve him. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. We will. We will. Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And, and they said, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. Those little idols that you have in your home. 
that have nothing to do with serving God, but serving yourself. Serving your lusts, your cravings, put it away. Well, well, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, we can have both, can't we? No. Put it away. Why? Because they incline your heart away from God. But they ought to. If we put them away, we ought to incline our heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with his people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote the words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. It's a tree. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And you will notice that this book ends with a funeral. Three burials. Joshua dies now at the age of 110, buried in his own inheritance, the land that God had promised for his family. Eleazar, the high priest, has died and also buried in Ephraim, near Shiloh, where his son Phinehas had property. And then here we, we are reminded the bones of Joseph were buried in Shechem. When Joseph died, he made them promise to take his bones and bury him in that land that God had promised. And that is precisely what they did. And then we have a third reminder. We have a third reminder. Remember the consequences of forgetting God. Remember the consequences. And now I'm going to ask that you turn to chapter 2 of the book of Judges. Joshua 24, the book has ended and everyone is, is in agreement. We will serve the Lord. We will be faithful to him. We will put away these other gods and we will serve the Lord. And then a couple of years have passed. And we see here in verse 1, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land, and you shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you've done? I guess all the adrenaline had gone away and the big crowds and everyone was great to be a part of something. But it, when it came down to living life day by day, they failed to obey God. 
Maybe they had a great start, you know, just, oh, we're on a roll here, we're, we're in focus, we're in tune. Little interruption here, distraction there. And they wonder how they'd gotten so far away. And verse 3 tells us they forfeited God's blessing. So now I say, I will not drive them out before you. These people, you see, they failed to finish the task. They were not to make a covenant with the people in this land. God's judgment was upon them, and his means was the people of God. And they would not obey God. So they forfeited God's blessing. So now I say to you, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. This is the effect of drift. Just a little bit. And over time, you get further and further away. And all you have is the memory, my friends. But you will notice in verse 4, their joy now turned to weeping. And as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and they wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim. Just simply means weeping. And they sacrificed there to the Lord. All the rah, rah, rah was gone. And it always dissipates, my friends, and it comes down to every decision, every day. Will I serve the Lord? This church for 21 years has unintentionally, nonetheless, been hidden in this, this building. And there's a few people out there that know it exists. They've been here maybe once or twice. But now we're going to have a building and one day we'll have a sign. <laughs> and one day we'll have events and people will associate the church, all of the church, with who we are. And what kind of church will we be? Well, if it wasn't bad enough that these people, after, no, we will serve him, I will, I will, I'll be faithful to him, had simply forgotten and failed to obey. They not only failed to obey God, they failed to teach their children, they failed to equip the next generation. Take a look, verse 10. And all of that generation, you know, we will, oh, we'll serve the Lord. Oh, we will. They're all on the ground. And there arose another generation, verse 10. After them who did not even know the Lord. I didn't even know the Lord. Who's the Lord? Who's this Yahweh you people are talking about? 
And not only did they not know the Lord, they didn't even know the work that he had done for Israel. They did not tell the stories. They did not recount the faithfulness of God, the power of God. They knew nothing. And because of it, we have a verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. And they abandoned the Lord. And they chose the gods who were merely demons. The God who had chosen them. The God who had delivered them. The God who had guided them and cared for them and provided them and protected them. And they simply forgot him. Verse 14, so they lost out on God's blessing. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them and sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand the enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned them. As the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Why didn't the next generation know the Lord and what He had done for them? Because they didn't count the cost, my friends of living day by day in faithfulness to God because they did not take heed Joshua's words, you cannot do this. Not in your own strength, not in your own adrenaline, but by the Spirit of God you can. There isn't a person here who has trusted Christ that does not have the Spirit of God within them. And the Spirit of God continues to poke away at your life. Going the wrong way, my friends, come back. Today. Now. Serve Him. Love Him. Invest it all. Share it with someone else.